Hey there, I'm Amy Hare and welcome to my podcast. This is the podcast that you come to if you are looking for true inspiration and motivation in your life. I will be sharing stories of people who have been through significant traumas, who have been through hardship, adversity, and really deep challenges in their lives, and who have chosen to look at those things as an opportunity to create success in their life. I really hope you enjoy listening in. So today's uh, podcast interview is not an interview, it's with me. <laughs> I get so many people ask me uh, my story and how I got into what I do and wanting to kind of know the backstory and more about me, because obviously, you know, if I'm helping people with their stuff in their life, then they want to know all about mine, which is fair. Um there's a lot to tell. <laughs> it could be something that, you know, I tell over a series of podcasts. But for today, I thought I would, um, you know, kind of give you a little bit of a, of a background on, on who I am. And as you can see, you know, if you're watching this on YouTube, if you're watching any of my clips on Facebook right now, maybe you're just tuning in and listening. So I'll describe. Um, I'm wearing a Lorna Jane singlet. I'm super, super casual. <laughs> like I've got no makeup on. My hair is not done. <laughs> just you know pre-straightened the night before my hair is actually quite curly and wavy and frizzy so it's um it's pretty out there um I actually get asked all the time which is funny funny story interesting story growing up all I ever wanted to do was be a hairdresser my uh, my godmother who I spent a lot of time with growing up was a hairdresser so I was I kind of grew up all around it remember I remember when I was in I think it was grade 10 and you do work experience through school I went and did work experience at a hairdresser I got a hairdressing apprenticeship when I was I think I was 16 I think I started at the the Christmas um, you know before my 17th birthday so I got a hairdressing apprenticeship I grew up in Home Hill um, so I moved from Home Hill to Townsville to, to finish my last year of high school and do my hairdressing apprenticeship. Um, worked for two different salons. So I started with one, didn't like it there, did not gel with the boss at all. So I was able to go to um, another salon and, um, you know, continue doing my apprenticeship. I didn't actually end up finishing it. Um, turned out hairdressing just wasn't my thing, but I actually still go to um, the hairdresser that I did was doing part of my apprenticeship with. So I absolutely love um, the guys. Big shout out the guys at Sadar Hair Studio. <laughs> um, you know, Sean and Quinton and the team there, they very much look after me. And if you're watching this, you'll see that I've got new hair. It's orange and I love it. <laughs> um, but this is me. So um, the hairdressing thing. Yeah. Uh, people say to me all the time, like, oh, you a hairdresser. No, that's my name. So my maiden name is, it's Italian, it's Cantarella. If you say it with the Italian, you know, uh, Italian tone, Cantarella. You've got a curly R's in the Italian. Um, so it's Cantarella, if you're saying it like an Aussie. Uh, yeah, and I married a man whose surname was Hair. And it's just really bizarre when people say to me, oh, are you a hairdresser? No, no, that's my name. I don't know how it's that confusing when you're looking at a document that says my name and then you ask me if I'm a hairdresser. <laughs> anyway, my husband never gets asked if he's a hairdresser though, which is really bizarre. I mean, you know, go figure. Why well, I don't know why he's not asked if he's a hairdresser when his name's hair. Anyway. So uh, yeah, I grew up in, in a little town called Home Hill. 
uh, I grew up with quad bikes. I grew up, um, my parents had a beach house. I spent weekends down there. Uh, my dad was a farmer. My mom was mostly a stay-at-home mom, but sort of um, when I came around, because my siblings are quite older than me, they're 13 and 15 years older than I am. Um, yeah, when I came around, mum was kind of more helping dad and, and working in the packing shed. Um, they kind of had seasonal fruit and veggies. So dad had mangoes. She had one of the biggest or the biggest mango plantation, I think in the state or, or even in the country. It's huge. Um, he used to provide the mangoes for Golden Circle way back in the day. Uh, he had eggplant and zucchini as well. And, and you know, kind of tried, tried a few different other things, um, went into sugarcane and that was kind of the end of um, his farming days because he'd bought a sugarcane farm uh, right at the time when the prices in sugar plummeted. So that wasn't so great. Uh, yeah, so I grew up like that. People ask all the time about my family. So I'll give you a little bit of insight into my family. Um, my sister is Anita. She's Anita Haggerty. She's super cool. She's the chair of Touch Football Australia. She was actually um, one of the big key players in the amalgamation of Touch Football and NRL to make it the biggest um, sport in the country, More like with the, with the kind of biggest member base. Um, so she's a pretty powerful woman. Uh, she has her own company. She has a recruitment company that she's been in oh, for, for a very, very, very long time. I think since I was um, 18, I, I, that was actually my first kind of real job. I worked with her. Uh, she has two adult children. Her husband's a builder. Um, and it's funny because the house that they live in, I think they've been renovating it for 15 <laughs> years. Um, you know, as you say, when you live with someone who does a trade, don't expect it done at home. Um, my sisters, yeah, my sisters are a really cool, um, really cool person. She's very driven. Um, yeah, and I just, I, I'm actually in awe of her and, and the things that she does. Um, yeah, so we we don't we don't have like a you know, I suppose a typical, if you will, sisterly kind of relationship. We don't, you know, hang out or anything like that. I think that's just, you know, the the kind of the general two different generations, and we're both very, very, very busy people. Um, definitely there for each other, you know, whenever we need it. But we're not the kind of sisters that would go and hang out and do lunches or dinners or you know anything like that. Uh, my she's here in Townsville. So she's, yeah, doesn't live far from me. We actually still play touch football together on a Sunday, which is very, very, um, it's very fun. Actually, we, we had a little um, link in. So I still play touch. I play TRL um, and I've just gone back to athletics. Um, we had a little link in uh, quite a while ago. It was probably one of the kind of first, first games of the season or into the first, first few games of the season. And we just had this backwards and forwards kind of passes up the up the sideline. And the girls on the team were like, that was like magic to watch. And it, it took me back to being a six-year-old and doing that in the front yard with her. We we used to do that stuff when when I was really little. And you know, she was she was very deep in in playing. Um, you know, she's very much, I think Anita, you know, lives and breathes touch. It's very much her passion. And um, you know, kind of every element of it, she's she's just loves it. But yeah, just doing that little, you know, backwards and forwards up the sideline um, all those months ago, 
just, yeah, it took me back to that place because it, it just, we did it and it just, it was just there. Like it just fell into, fell into place. So yeah, that was a really kind of nice moment um, that took me back to being a kid with her. Uh, my brother, he's a finance broker. He is based at the Gold Coast. He's actually here visiting at the moment while I'm recording this. So um, we spend a, a bit of time. We actually spend more time together, um, him and I, than, than kind of, you know, I do with my sister. Um, you know, my brother's, um, he's single, ladies. <laughs> he's super cool. <laughs> he, um, yeah, so he's a finance broker, lives at the Gold Coast, um, I have quite a bit of work, you know, that happens at the Gold Coast. So I am down visiting him and I stay with him, um, you know, quite often. Uh, he yeah makes his way up to Townsville a few times a year and, and comes and stays with us. And, you know, I've got little kids. So um, my, ki- my children are nine, um, nine and a half, eight and three and a half. So, yeah, Justin comes and, and hangs out with them. He, um, he was a promising football player. He actually moved from um, Home Hill where we, where we grew up. He moved from Home Hill to Brisbane when, look, I think he would have been about 18 or 19 when he moved. He moved with some friends um, to play with a football club called Winner Manly down in Brisbane. And, you know, they were a feeder club for, I think at that time they were feeding into, or still do maybe, into the Broncos if you're around NRL and, and understand that stuff. And he had a career ending injury that had kind of developed or started when he was injured in, he was in year 10 playing soccer and someone need him in the back and um, kind of had like a twist in his pelvis. And yeah, this, this thing called osteopubis uh, developed. So while he was down in Brisbane, that came up and that was it. He was out. Um, he was a very, very, very talented athlete in all aspects. Uh, he actually still has records, um, you know, athletics records down in Home Hill from when he was in primary school and high school. Um, so, yeah, that's pretty impressive to see that those, those records have, um, have held up all of these years. Like that was back in, it would have been the 80s, um, you know, back in, well, I was born in 87. So, yeah, that was... And he's 13 years older than me. So, yep, early 80s when he set some of those records. Um, I've still got records there as well. <laughs> I've still got some records uh, at, um, at both high school and primary school, actually. So it's super cool. I actually love, um, you know, I get a little bit of a, a, <laughs> a little bit of an ego boost, if you will, when, um, you know, people that, that know me. Um, they go to athletics carnivals down there and they send me screenshots. I'm like, look, 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 that's you. That's you. <laughs> so yeah, very proud of my little sporting achievements when I was, when I was young all those years ago. Um, but yeah, I'm, uh, oh yeah. So family, sorry. See, I tend to get a bit, you know, off track. Um, I'll tell you why later, why I kind of go all over the place. Uh, my mum and dad. So yeah, dad was a fruit and veggie farmer. He moved to Australia from Sicily. Um, I think it's called Giada is where he where he's originally from. He was three when his family migrated over. He's got two older sisters and two younger brothers. So he's kind of smack bang in the middle. Um, actually, my eldest son was born on his mum's birthday. So that was, um, yeah, really, really special. Um, actually, sadly, she passed away six weeks after my eldest son was born. So, um, yeah, so my dad is a Sicilian man. So if any of you know, (laughs) 
uh, European ethnic families. <laughs> he's very strict. <laughs> um, you know, understandably, the things that he's kind of gone through and exposed to in, in his life um, have made him the way that he is. Um, he's a, I never had a relationship with my, with my dad, sadly, growing up. My mum and dad had quite a toxic marriage. Um, so I was sort of brought up being exposed to that. Um, there was a lot of fighting, not physical, just verbal, yelling at each other. Um, you know, I was very, I, I grew up in that. I was very deep in that. Um, that was kind of my understanding of what a marriage was, which was no surprise when, you know, my first marriage, I ended up in a marriage like that. Uh, so yeah, mum and dad, mum, well, both talented athletes. Mum was a sprinter. Um, she, she actually trained under, you know, the top at, at that time of her time, the top sprint country, sprint coaches of, in the world and in, in the country. Ugh, I don't know what I'm saying. <laughs> yeah. So my mum was a very talented sprinter. Um, oh gosh, you know what? She may even still have records from way back. And that would be, so she was born in 1953. So that would be, you know, late fifties, um, 60s kind of era is when she was kind of running like she was the era of um, Betty Cuthbert so if you're older and you're listening to this and you know who Betty Cuthbert was um, is still around I don't know someone let me know is Betty Cuthbert still around Um, she was a sprinter she was an Australian sprinter and she was kind of known for sprinting with her mouth open so she would like flick her head back and uh, open her mouth when she was running. Um, If you Google Google images of Betty Cuthbert you'll be able to see what she was like She's super cool. Um, she actually has a, there's a book about her. Um, yeah. So that was my mom. Dad was a very talented football player. I'm kind of, you know, all around athlete. So it was no surprise really that us three kids all ended up being quite athletic and, and, you know, following sort of sporting passions. Uh, my parents, yeah, like I said, had a very toxic relationship when I was, um, Oh gosh, how old was I? It's only been since I've been an adult. Um, 2011, I think. So 10 years ago, they finally separated. And I say finally, because it was just like, oh gosh, you two just should not be together. So finally separated, yeah, around around um, 10 years ago. Uh, dad's with a, with a partner. My mom has a partner. Um, Sally, I don't have a relationship. Not Sally for me, Sally for her. <laughs> And I'll explain that again later. Uh, I don't have a relationship with my mother. She's quite unwell um, and, and, you know, with a really sort of toxic man. Um, so she's kind of segregated herself from her family and her friends, which is, yeah, like I said, really sad for her. She doesn't, she doesn't see her grandkids. Um, she doesn't have anything to do with her children. Um, yeah, so it is sad, you know, for someone when they, when they go through things like that, that they can't break away from it they can't get away from it they feel like they can't get away from it and my dad has a partner Um, my dad's an uber driver so if you're ever in Townsville and a a bald Italian man picks you up in a little white car that's my dad (laughs) loves to have a chat Um, you know say g'day and go you're Amy's dad I did a story on him quite a few weeks ago or three three or four weeks ago now I think um, because people have been asking tell me tell me about your family so that's kind of them you know, in a nutshell, we're, we're not the kind of family that gets together often, um, you know, and does dinners or, or that sort of thing. We're all quite busy people. Um, I would say we're all quite driven people as well. We've, we've kind of got our own things going on. 
um, our own lives happening. But yeah, we do come together for, you know, the important and the special things. Um, you know, my son Jackson plays first game of touch football last night for the club that my sister and I play for. And my brother came down and watched and um, cause yeah, he's visiting and yeah, my sister was going to come down, but she said she wasn't feeling a hundred percent. Actually, this is how, this is how not close my family is, right? <laughs> this is how, this is how much we are. Uh, we don't catch up. There's been multiple times where I've been in an airport and see my sister getting on the same plane <laughs> as me. So much so that um, a few months ago, I was sitting at the airport waiting to get on my flight and I see this person kind of walk in and walk up the way and I was like, that looks like my sister's walk. So I ring her and I was like, she's rummaging through her bag and I've gone, oh my God, if she ignores me, (laughs) if she doesn't answer, she's going to be in so much trouble. But as she answers, she's like, hello, it's 5.30 in the morning. I was like, I can see you. She's like, oh, you're here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So anyway, we get on the plane and then she sits next to me. <laughs> so it was just like across the hall from me. Um, yeah. And then yesterday, my brother and sister were on the same flight back from Brisbane to Townsville and didn't even know until they got off the plane in Townsville and saw each other like, what are you doing? So yeah, that, <laughs> that's how, that's how uh, yeah, how much we don't talk to each other. <laughs> um, yeah, so I I got into you know, the, the field of coaching and development and, and, you know, healing, I suppose, if you will, through going through massive traumas. Um, like I said, I grew up in a really toxic household. I went through a really um, intense experience when I was 16 and I was sexually assaulted by my boyfriend at the time. Um, I ended up pregnant from that. I had a mum who couldn't handle it and wanted to send me away. Um, I went through a termination. I went through experiencing, you know, wow, I experienced things that I didn't know how to process and I didn't actually, I didn't actually know what I was going through. Um, I didn't know that, you know, this was kind of the start of anxiety in my life. Um, and I have two anxious parents. So kind of anxiety was, was something that I was brought up into, but being quite young, I didn't understand all of that. I, um, yeah, developed at the age of 16, started to develop anxiety. I quit everything that I loved and that I was good at. I was good at touch and netball and athletics. And I just gave everything away Uh, and kind of just dropped off the face of the earth, I suppose. Um, At that time, I started cheerleading as well. Uh, I was a NRL cheerleader. I was a cheerleader for the Cowboys. So I was 17 when I started cheerleading for the Cowboys and, and I, you know, I loved it. Like I absolutely, and I remember 1995, the very first Cowboys game was Cowboys versus um, Bulldogs at, back then it was called Stockland Stadium in Townsville. And my, my dad was, you know, being a big NRL fan. Mum and dad had season tickets. So I, I grew up going to the Cowboys and I remember watching the cheerleaders and right from day dot back in 95. So I would have been eight I watched the cheerleaders and I was like, I'm going to be a cheerleader. Like that's all I wanted to do. And then, yeah, when I was 17 and had the opportunity to do that, that was just like so cool. Um, and I loved it. I, I really did. I enjoyed it. I um, loved being out there, loved dressing up, loved dancing, loved performing, liked football players. <laughs> I'll talk about that another time. <laughs> 
was very uh it was very nice uh being around the you know the anyway <laughs> so yeah I I did that um it was when I was nine, 18, 19 that the anxiety really kind of kicked me up the bum uh, I watched someone have a fit while I was at work one day and yeah that that messed me up just the 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 watching someone not have control over their own body in that moment was terrifying uh and it it developed panic attacks for me uh so I spent the next 12 months having quite severe panic attacks to the point where I was hospitalized three times you know had multiple ambulance rides thought I was dying um you know there was a period of probably three months where every single night I thought I was going to die in my sleep so it would take me hours, hours upon hours to get to sleep at night. Uh, I would have to go in the shower to calm myself down. Um, so, you know, sometimes it could be 11 o'clock at night and I'd go and sit in the, in the bottom of the bathtub and just try to calm down. Um, I had a little mantra that I developed at that time and it was anything I can get myself into, I can get myself out of. So I knew even at that point without the kind of understanding of what anxiety was, even the understanding of what I was going through, um, there was some part of me that was able to process and, and I put it down to now intuition that there was something that told me that anything I can get myself into, I can get myself out of. And I knew that anxiety was something that I was creating. So I would write things down. And I would, anything that was kind of going on in my head, I had like this big notebook, um, like a, um, like a, one of those artist books. And I would write everything and kind of be able to take what was going on in my head and was messy and put it on paper. And yeah, it, it reached the point where I no longer have anxiety. I, I would say that I'm someone who is cured of it, that I don't, I don't, it doesn't come up in my life at all anymore and and I'm so aware of you know when I'm feeling tense in my body or when I'm feeling you know okay I'm feeling a bit not so much anxious but I'm feeling something come up right now I'm feeling tense or I'm feeling frustration that I know I have the tools now to be able to, to process and I just don't fall into that trap anymore uh, I tried to go back to athletics when I was 18 and um, through a friend of mine who got me onto a coach and yeah, it was just like, yep, I'm going to do this. I am going to, you know, chase that Olympic dream that I, that I'd had for so many years. And uh, then I met a boy, boyfriend, man, and no, he's not a man. He was not a man. Hmm. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, anyone with an ex-husband understands where I'm going. Uh, so I met someone and gave everything away mainly because he didn't like it he didn't like that I had attention on me um you know I used to model I would used to cheerlead and he just initially was like oh yeah that's so cool you know you've got such a great body um and to to him that's all I was to him was just an image was just a body was just you know um something that was on his arm because as soon as I got pregnant with our first child um, I was no longer attractive. He would screw his nose up at me. Um, you know, he'd do, he'd do this thing where he'd just go, oh, it's just different. You know, I'm not, I'm not, wasn't the pretty model. I wasn't, you know, the, the cheerleader anymore. I wasn't the athlete anymore. 
I was a mum and my body changed and he didn't like that. And yeah, so, uh, well, yeah, I'd quit athletics prior to that. I'd quit athletics because, um, yeah, he didn't like it and sort of quit everything. Um, yeah, and had Jackson and was very determined when Jackson was born to get back to my um, pre-baby weight. Not for me, for my husband at the time, because I wanted to be attractive to him. And uh, then... I think Jackson was, it would have been eight months old and I got pregnant with Lucas. So my children, my first two boys are 16 months apart. And once again, you know, going through pregnancy and having a, a husband who didn't want to touch me, who didn't want to be near me, um, you know, kind of opened up just a world of pain for me. Um, I felt useless. I felt unattractive. I felt disgusting. Um, my self-worth didn't exist. I really struggled having two little children, um, one of whom was born unwell. So, and I'll, I'll do another, you know, talk on that. But Lucas was born with a, with a rare disease and he was in and out of hospital. He's had 18 operations. He's experienced significant trauma. And at the time of having Lucas, my husband at the time worked out of town. So he was two weeks on, two weeks off. So for two weeks, I was a mum to two little boys, 16 months apart, one with medical condition and just struggling in life. I, I didn't enjoy, in all honesty, I didn't enjoy being a mum. I didn't at that point because there was just so much pain in all of my life. Um, I didn't feel comfortable in myself. And through that period, my ex-husband um, had an affair with someone that he worked out of town with. So, you know, I went through that and it was my processing skills at that point in my life were not great. So it was horrendous. I, it was screaming matches. It was just toxicity, trauma, abuse. It was disgusting, really. Um, and when Lucas was one month away from turning two, I finally got out of that environment. And it was the best thing I ever did. And created a really happy, calm home for my boys and I um, got away from, you know, that just really, really said toxic environment that we were in. Um, six months later, I met my husband now and he's beautiful and the complete opposite. And when we got pregnant and had our baby, he just was like, you're the most beautiful thing in the world. And, you know, complete opposite. And, and I fully believe that I had to go through everything that I went through in my life to create the life that I've created now and to find the people that I've got in my life now because I went through the hard stuff. And, you know, that's why I do what I do. That's how I can do what I do because I've been through really deep, intense traumas and experiences and I've learned from every single one of them and I'm so grateful for every single one of them because it gives me the ability to do what I do so well 
you know, I, I always say there's a red flag if you go to a coach, um, you know, or, or, you know, someone that's trying to teach you something and they haven't been through intense things themselves. Um, if you're going to someone like that who hasn't been through intense things, then run away because they cannot help you because they do not know, do not know what it's like. How can you expect someone to help you through your stuff if they've never been through anything like that themselves? And I always say that the people who are supposed to come to me, come to me. And, and I've never, I have never in the, in the last few years of doing this, I've never had someone come across my path who I haven't been able to work with and help. And if I can't, I don't work with them. If I can't help someone, I will not work with them because it's not, not what I'm about. I'm not going to take money from someone and I'm not going to waste my time or their time if I feel I can't help them because it's just not fair. But I just, I don't have that because I put the energy out that I work with people who are supposed to come to me. Um, so yeah, that's, that's kind of, you know, a little bit of how I got into doing what I do. And like I said, there's a lot more, there's, there's, all sorts of things, you know, that I've experienced that have led me to this point in time. But the one big takeaway that I have from all of it and the one big thing that I coach people through is everything in our life, every single challenge is an opportunity to create a bigger, better version of you, a bigger and a better life. Because we all want to live a beautiful life. We all want peace. We all want happiness. And, and, you know, when people say, I just want to be easy, you're in, you're, you're the wrong species because life is not meant to be easy. Life is meant to challenge you. There are supposed to be challenges in life because if there aren't challenges, you won't learn, you won't develop, you won't grow. I say all the time, get comfortable with the uncomfortable because if you are comfortable, you aren't getting better. You aren't learning, you aren't developing if you are comfortable, you will never achieve any. If you are comfortable, rather, you will never achieve anything. If you get comfortable being uncomfortable, that's where the achievement is. That's where the goodness is. Like that's where the gold is, right? If you're being challenged, you can become better. It's like the, the kind of, you know, to build your muscles, they, they need to fracture, they need to pull apart because that's how we build them. And then, you know, the proteins and everything go in between and they build bigger muscles, they build stronger muscles. Challenge is what gives us opportunity. That's how people have become successful. It's in the challenge. That's what I help people with. That's why I do what I do. So I've been challenged. <laughs> and now when I get a challenge, I'm like, right, bring it on. <laughs> There's something good coming for me. But that's, yeah, that's why I do what I do. That's why I'm able to help so many people the way that I help them. Because I've been in the challenge, been in the hurt locker, I've been in the pain. And I've been able to turn that around and look at everything, everything as a positive and you know all you have to do is have a chat with me and and realize that that literally that that attitude that mindset transpires across every element of my life someone walks through my door and, and they're like yep this is a challenge and I go cool let's do this 
a while ago, I had, um, I actually had someone try to sue me for um, a previous business. Someone designed a website. <laughs> I wouldn't say design a website. Someone said that they're going to design a website for me and they just didn't. And um, yeah, they, they tried to sue me and um, I saw that as a really good opportunity. And my husband was freaking out. He's like, what, what? And I was like, mate, it's good. I'm like, we've, we've asked for this. He's like, what? And I'm like, if I want this really big thing in my life, if I want to achieve this, then I need to go through this because I want big things in my life. You might not be chasing the same goals that I'm chasing, but there'll be goals that you're chasing. It might be that you want your dream home or your dream car or your dream job or your dream partner. In order to get to that, you have to go through the challenge and you have to learn from the experience. So if you keep repeating cycles, you're never going to get anywhere. Learn from it. That's what I did. I took this as an opportunity to learn. So quite literally, everything that comes my way that's perceived as a challenge that outwardly would look like a challenge, I'm like, this is a really good opportunity. <laughs> that's the kind of level that I operate at. So yeah, that's a little bit about me. Stay tuned for the next one. Uh, the, the kind of next time I'll, I'll catch up with you guys, I'll tell you all about Lucas and his journey and, and you know what that's meant for him and our family and, and kind of all the exciting things that we've been through with that. And yeah, so. thanks so much for listening. Well, there you have it. Yet another inspirational and motivational story that we were able to share with you. Please don't keep us a secret. Share, share the love across all of the social media platforms. The more the merrier. If we can get the message out to as many people as possible, then we can inspire and motivate as many people as possible. Really hope you enjoyed today's episode and look forward to sharing another one with you next time.